The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live. My name is Leslie Hendrickson. I'm a reporter at Mansion Global. I'm here today with Cal Inman, founder and CEO of Climate Check. Welcome, Cal. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so for starters, I just want to start this conversation out simply. Can you give us an introduction to Climate Check? What is it and what prompted you to start it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Climate Check is a climate risk data service. Uh, so what that means is we help folks understand their individual properties exposure to climate related hazards. Uh, and when we say climate related hazards, we're talking about naturally occurring uh, hazards that we all experience, flood, fire, extreme heat, extreme precipitation, high winds, drought. Um, and we look at what's what's the occurrence of these events today? And then looking at all the best climate models, what's the frequency and intensity of these events into the future? Does your property going to have higher exposure to fire in the future? Are you going to have uh, more floods more frequently? Are the floods going to be deeper? So we help folks understand uh, the risk to their property uh, from, from climate change. Interesting. And so why did you feel like there was a need for this service? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, my background's commercial real estate development. Um, we started the company three years ago. And uh, I just really felt like there was a need for me as the end user uh, um, for this information. The, the, there wasn't good access to the information. Uh, it, it's complex stuff. It's hard to understand for someone that doesn't have a background in physical sciences um, and, uh, and, and totally inaccessible. So our goal is to kind of bring all the data into one place, make it easily searchable for a property and make it easy to understand and actionable. Right. Uh, so that's how, that's why we started the company. Right. So tell me a little how it works. You know, you give a score for a property, um, but tell me a little bit about how that would work first. Yeah. User. Yeah, totally. I think for anyone listening or watching, uh, you can go to climatecheck.com and just type in any address uh, in the in the U.S. We cover the lower 48 states right now. Uh, you type in an address and then we look at all of those hazards I mentioned. And uh, we give you, first off, uh, zero through 100 rating. That's a risk rating. Zero is the safest, lowest risk, and 100 is the highest risk. And this is a relative risk for North America. So you can kind of compare pro within properties across the country. Um, then alongside those risk ratings, we give like key metrics that uh, you know, a dumb real estate developer like me can understand. Uh, probability of a flood. You have a 30% chance of a one foot flood. And so it gives you the key metrics around and explaining that risk rating. And then we have kind of a deeper dive into the data, which has the those metrics over time into the future and geographic comparisons. Um, but we start really high level with just kind of 
a, a risk rating uh, used for screening. Right. And so what kind of data is going into this, into the program to provide this for people? Yeah, totally. Um, all the the fundamental data that comes in is academic and government information and data. Uh, so we start with these global climate models um, and we bring them in. Uh, we, we also layer that with a bunch of other data like topographic maps, uh, vegetation models, uh, and the list goes on. Bring it all into one place. And then, you know, we really rely on our team of smart and passionate people uh, and a group of uh, wicked smart advisors that, you know, live and breathe this stuff. They're all from academia. They're all climatologists. And they kind of point us in the direction of the best data, but also how to process it, synthesize it, and most importantly, how to explain it in a way that's really easy to understand. Right. I was hoping you could also talk a little bit about the relative fatigue factor. You know, um, I did my own property, of course, and I got a one for uh, flood risk. And that's a relatively low number for client climate check, but even though it's basically the bottom of the scale. So can you talk a little bit about that relativity? Yeah, I think when relativity comes more important for uh, factors like heat, right, where everyone in the U.S. is going to experience an increased frequency of hot days. We're going to have more hot days, but a hot day in my location in San Francisco is much different than a hot day in your location uh, on the East Coast and different than someone's in the Southwest, right? Um, so if we're all experiencing different magnitudes of heat um, at different locations, and then we're also increasing in different uh, frequencies of number of hot days. Like my hot days might go by 2050 up to from eight hot days a year in San Francisco to 30, but I have a much colder hot day than you. Uh, so you have all these factors of, again, intensity, how hot is it getting? And then frequency, how often is it happening? So it's good to have a, a kind of relative rating so we can compare these two properties, which are both getting worse, but some are getting less worse. Um, and then like for flood specifically, we probably aren't um, seeing any flood risk on your property. Uh, and so we're going to give you the lowest of a, of a rating of a one. But still, I might, it, just in case it does happen, I won't be totally caught off guard because I got that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to stay at one for flooding just in case. I mean, there's a lot of very local um, uh, factors to consider. And we don't want to say you have no risk. Right. That makes sense. So how much are home buyers considering climate change when they're looking at a home? And additionally, how much should they be look, considering climate change? Yeah. I mean, this these data sets are new, I mean, particularly for the public. Um, but that being said, we're all reading about it in the paper every day, right? Um, it's top of the fold. Uh, we're reading about climate change happening. We're reading about policy developing around it. Um, but it's not very tangible to us. But the second thing that's happening is folks are experiencing heat waves. They're experiencing devastating wildfires, uh, an increased uh, frequency of flooding events. And so I think it, it's very top of mind for folks. And the demand for the data is there. Uh, you know, 
where our data is integrated in a, in a public fashion, we get huge amounts of engagement. Uh, and you look particularly younger folks, millennials, Gen Zs are, are curious about this. They want to know. Uh, and so I think the more we get out there and the more, more access there is to this data, uh, I think there'll be more ingestion of it. And look, we think it's an important factor to consider when you're thinking of, about property ownership or a lender thinking about collateral for a loan. Um, it's a, it's good due diligence information. Yeah, it's especially on top of mind this month where there are, you know, so many fires flooding in Kentucky, you know, all of these aspects that are potentially caused by climate change, you know, really at top of mind, like you said. But so about a year ago, Redfin started using climate check data on its site so homeowners can see the risks, you know, just integrated into the Redfin portal. Um, but despite the people knowing more, Redfin also reported that a lot of people are moving to places with high risk for heat and flooding and fire. That includes, you know, Southern California, Southern, all over California and Southern Florida. So why do you think that people are continuing to move to places that are such high risk areas? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. That was a, a great study they did with our data. And I just put my, you know, I think about myself, right? We, we live in this location because it's close to my work. It's close to my wife's work. It's a good school district. And we think about all of these factors when we're thinking about where to live. Uh, probably the first one's price point. Um, and, uh, and so we're thinking about so many things and then you throw COVID into the mix. And, uh, and uh, this is, is not always the, the first decision factor. Of course, we get emails from folks that are, you know, that's their number one thing. I wanna live in a climate safe location, uh, but I think they're more the outliers. Um, and so it's a complex market and there's a lot of reasons we live places. Uh, and I think the second reason is there's not a lot of access to this data yet. And I think we're changing that quickly. Uh, but I think we'll start seeing stronger signals once folks understand kind of future risk and can pack that into their decision making as as one factor, maybe not, you know, not the top factor, but a factor alongside everything else. Right. So you mentioned climate safe areas. Where are some of those areas? And conversely, you know, what areas are going to be most affected by climate change over the next few decades? Yeah, we get this question a lot. Like, what's the right answer? Um, I, I'd say generally, everywhere is affected by some peril, some hazard, uh, and there's trade-offs. Uh, and so we're really trying to you know, make folks aware of the risks, help them quantify it, and then not necessarily like, don't move here, you should move here. Um, we we want to push people to say, how can we protect our homes that we live in? How, how can we make this, this building safer? Um, how can we engage their local community to put adaptation policies in place? Um, because there is no real right answer. Um, and it just really depends on the, the hazard we're looking for. Uh, you know, of course, California has a fair share of hazards, drought, uh, wildfire. Um, and then you look at the Gulf states and we're seeing, you know, increased frequency of hurricanes, flooding, high wind damage. Um, but I'd say like no state is completely safe. No city is completely safe. And I think a big factor to look at is what is your local government doing to adapt to climate change, to help protect 
uh, those local constituents. And I, I think that's that's as big of a factor as what uh, what the the actual natural hazard risk is. Interesting. Um, I just want to remind the audience that you can ask questions in the chat, so feel free to do that, and we'll get to them at the end. Um, so, Cal, you mentioned a few things that people can do to start thinking about protecting their homes. What are some of those things? Yeah, I, I, again, it depends on the hazard and 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 kind of what risk you have in your your local area. And you know, a lot of these risks too are very location specific, right? We can see flood in uh, one property, and your neighbor's property might not have any flood risk because it's you know a meter higher in elevation. Um, and so, I think understanding your local property risk is really important. Uh, but I, I'd say for factors, things we can do on our homes, there's a lot of inexpensive things that can be done to help protect the home. So, you know, we're getting into wildfire season here in California. Um, you know, the, the first thing for any of these kind of total loss hazards like fire or flood is make sure you're insured. Um, and the insurers are going to start looking at kind of the next things that you're doing to help protect your property, like creating this defensible space. You know, don't pile the firewood right alongside your house. Um, one of the cheapest, easiest improvements to a home um, is to put screens over your roof vents so embers don't fly in. This is one of the main causes for homes to combust. It's not like the fire rips through your neighborhood and ember kind of showers down on your home and gets sucked into your roof vent and the home combusts from within. Um, so there's very simple, inexpensive things that can be done uh, yourself or by a handyman. And so we provide a list for each hazard uh, in our in our report on our website because it's important to help folks uh, uh, protect themselves. And right, we scare you with some information, uh, but there's easy, actionable things you can do to help reduce risk for your for your home. Right. And if someone's looking at a new property, they're looking to buy a new property. What are some of the you know, either red flags they should be looking out for, you know, that this is not safe home or things that they should be looked, excited to see because it is a safe home. Yeah, I think just start with a search and uh, and and we'll help flag those risks. Um, I, I would say it's really important when you're moving to a new area uh, to look at you know, what the climate risk is, what, what are those risks, those natural hazards? Because that's intuitive for you, right? Like one, one person that experiences hurricanes might not be thinking about um, drought or wildfire when they're moving to a different state or a different location. And some of these risks aren't so intuitive for someone coming from the outside. We see a huge search volume of, uh, of folks. We look at where you're searching, where people are searching from and where they're searching for. And a lot of the kind of hazards they're interacting with are uh, more aligned with where they're coming from, uh, right? Because these are the things that are, are top of mind. Um, so I think, yeah, just good due diligence, just, just, I mean, it's easy, you can search it and, uh, and you can start flagging some things that you might be concerned about. And then, and then maybe there's some simple solutions. It might, it, it doesn't mean you, you shouldn't buy the house or not move to that area necessarily. Right. Right. Someone from Southern Florida is probably not too worried about fires and therefore not <laughs> too versed in the kinds of things that they need to do to prevent themselves, prevent them if they're in a different location that is at a high risk. Yeah, completely. And vice versa, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's also, you mentioned what, you know, some of the 
local governments are doing to adapt to the new normal of climate change. But I was hoping you could speak a little bit more about that and how much it matters when you're moving to a state that that those local actions. Yeah, I, I think it's really important because, you know, we we're talking today a lot about what we can do to protect our individual home, our individual asset, um, you know, or for investor, whatever type of asset we're buying. I think that's really important. But a big piece of the puzzle is how what is the community doing to help prevent these risks? Um, are we putting bonds in place to create fire breaks? Um, uh, what's the state doing to help with that? Uh, are we thinking about seawalls with sea level rise? Um, you know, these are big capital improvement projects that take uh, lots of money. Um, and it takes engagement from the constituents. Uh, and I think you're not going to have engagement until you have kind of awareness of what the long-term risks are. Um, so I think understanding what the kind of local government is doing around these things is, is really important. Right. And, are there ways that you would recommend that people engage their local governments? I mean, we can all write letters, but there are there things that you would recommend to help get? Yeah, them? I mean, a, a lot of these things are in process, moving in place. And I think, yeah, to, talk to your local council people, talk to the county, reach out uh, to them. And, you know, a simple Google search. And we're, we're working on a way to kind of aggregate all that information to one place. It's pretty disparate. Uh, and there's lots of different agencies working on different plans, but the, the local uh, government's like very aware of, you know, these risks and, and a lot of them have uh, adaptation policies in place. Right. So I know you also work with a lot of commercial properties and I just wanted to ask you um, what people should be aware of there and if there are different concerns for those kinds of properties. Yeah, you know, they, they have a footprint on the earth. Um, they have exposure to these hazards and they have improvements upon uh, on the land, just like a homeowner. And I'd say the one kind of difference is they're pretty far ahead of homeowners thinking about this. Uh, it's not a political issue at all. I'd say the majority of REITs are looking at climate risk when they're analyzing new properties and figuring out how to improve their existing portfolios. Um, lenders are increasingly thinking about how to ingest climate risk data and their decision making. So the the money, the investors are are quickly uh, using this data. It's becoming best practices. So I'd say they're a few years ahead of of kind of the consumer, the homeowner uh, and how they're thinking about this stuff. So it's top of mind for them. So I think if there's any takeaway from there, I think individuals, you know, uh, 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 deserve access to the same data and uh, and should have the ability to kind of catch up in that level of due diligence when they're thinking about a home purchase. Right. It seems like commercial properties also work with much longer leases. You know, sometimes family is going to move somewhere for five years and maybe they're not as concerned, but a commercial lease could be for 30 or 50 years. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of stakeholders, right. In, in a commercial property, you have, uh, kind of the corporate leaseholder, depending on the asset class, if it's retail, you have the sponsor or the GP, the investor, you have the limited partner, uh, uh, excuse me, who is the investor, the GP and the sponsors, the actual person buying the property You have the lender. And there's a lot of stakeholders and they're all very focused on uh, risk mitigation, uh, minimizing risk uh, when they're when they're investing in assets. 
Um, so I think, uh, and the timeline for most commercial properties, I mean, depending on the fund or the structure of the investment group, you know, it's typically five, seven, 10 years. So it's, a, it's still kind of a short time horizon. Uh, but one interesting factor that they look at is how, how is the buyer of this property going to be thinking about climate risk and how are they going to factor that into the, the, the purchase price? Um, and so we're seeing a lot of that analysis now. Interesting. So we have a few questions from our audience. Um, Sunil asked about, she, she uh, referenced how you, you said there will be more hot days, but what about colder days? For example, in Chicago, the winter is so long. Is, could that potentially shorten? Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, not everything's moving kind of different directions in different places. I mean, in general, everywhere's getting hotter, but uh, the, the extreme cold is something we're, we're working on factoring in as a, as a new factor. Because, I mean, look at even what happened to Texas when the electric grid went out uh, in that freeze. Uh, this is a, a, a impactful hazard that I think a lot of folks have to deal with. Uh, so, so we are working on that. Right. So in a place like Texas, you know, it got hot a little. And of course, it's always hot, but it got even hotter. They turned their air conditioners on and then there was an energy crisis. Do you think that there'll be more of that kind of thing happening down the line? And, you know, what can we do to mitigate that? And yeah, I think this comes back to kind of, I mean, utilities, uh, local municipalities, there's there's a lot of infrastructure impacts to these hazards, uh, you know, beyond your house, just getting flooded. Uh, and we're talking about vulnerability to the electric grid, um, vulnerability to road infrastructure. Uh, and and uh, these are big things the government's thinking about uh, and different places are kind of in different, you know, parts of that process. Some are maybe a little too far behind. Some people are really advanced thinking about it. But I think this is a consideration to think about. I mean, particularly around extreme heat. Mm -hmm. So um, we have another question about Southern, about coastal properties in South Florida from Timothy. He's wondering about prices um, for the next five to 10 years, which I know isn't really your um, ballywick, as it were. But can you talk a little bit about what's happening in that state? Yeah, I think we talked about a little bit, right? There's a lot of uh, reasons folks move. And when you talk about Florida, look, it's really nice uh, and it's warm and what a great amenity, the ocean. Um, and uh, and so I think you're trying to balance all these things, right? The benefits and then the risks. Um, and then again, COVID on top of that and taxes in Florida. So I think there's a, a lot of reason folks move. I think, uh, you know, this is, this is my guess and nothing more, but as you see an increased frequency of kind of these events and sea level rise, there'll be some kind of movement of people around around that. And I don't think it'll be one big event where everyone shifts around, but it's something to be aware of over the long term. It's a really good question. I don't have a great answer for it. Right. Um, additionally, with Florida, you know, you were talking about some of the local government actions and Florida's taken a lot of actions to help prevent against storms and floods. Um, all the local governments have aligned after Hurricane Han Andrew happened and caused all that damage in the 90s, which is you know, almost 30 years ago now. So they've done a lot to protect the homes there, especially you know, new builds have hurricane safe windows and you know, they've done a lot to, to make it a, a more resilient place. 
Yeah, definitely. We'll see that in in places where there's uh, there's more historical events, right? They've had they've had this kind of experience with these things, uh, and uh, and they're a little bit further ahead than the rest of the right the areas. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the future. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but um, you know, obviously, last month President Biden announced a two point three billion dollar fun to help protect communities against extreme weather. Do you think that, you know, this increased exposure will help convince people to make some changes? Look, I think any kind of capital toward it is a, is a good thing. I mean, it's going to take a lot more money than that, but I, I think it reflects kind of the conversation. It's part of the national uh, uh, federal level conversation it's happening in local areas, happening on the state level. Uh, investors are thinking about it. Homeowners are thinking about it. I think as we get more and more engagement, um, every little push forward, I think, I think is helpful. Um, and so when we'll see where the money is placed and how it's placed. Uh, but I, I think it's a good start. Right. It's a little too, too soon to tell exactly what's going to happen with, with the money, but um and what's on the horizon for climate check? What are you all looking to do in the next year to expand? Well, now after that comment, we're probably going to bring uh, extreme cold to the to the front of our roadmap. Uh, we're, we're constantly updating our ratings uh, with the best understanding of the science. Uh, climate change is kind of a slow moving ship. It's not volatile like a uh, home pricing index or interest rates. Uh, but our understanding of where it's going is 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 uh, is getting better and better every day, right? There's a lot of smart people studying this stuff and understanding it. So it's our job to stay on top of the science and make sure our models are updated to give the most kind of accurate and precise uh, data that we can to individual property owners. Um, so that's kind of ongoing work we're doing. And then second, adding in new hazards. Um, we're releasing high wind uh, this month. Uh, we're also bringing in some seismic data uh, for folks that are uh, thinking about moving to areas that have, you know, some earthquake risk. Uh, even though that's not a climate risk, I think it's important to kind of bring into the fold. Um, and then some expansion outside the U.S. as well. We're 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 rolling out a Canadian data set um, and uh, and working on Europe right now. So uh, I think just kind of geographic growth and then just getting deeper, uh, better data. And then we've got some great partnerships uh, that we're ready to announce uh, shortly um, in the lending space in, uh, and then in the commercial real estate space. And then, and then continue getting, getting on every kind of consumer listing and just giving folks access to the data. Uh, so a lot going on. Uh, we're working hard, but we're having fun. Right. And will you also eventually include Hawaii and Alaska? You mentioned that it was just the lower 48 for the moment. Yeah, I feel bad for all the, 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 the people in Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah, we're, we're, they're, they're, they're going to get added in soon. Um, sorry, I missed you on the first round. <laughs> right. Well, I really appreciate you being here with me today, Cal. Thanks so much. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, so 
Please join us back on Monday when Barron's reporter Carlton English speaks with Richard Bernstein, CEO and CIO of Rich and Bernstein's Advisors, to discuss the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and have a great weekend. Take care. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.